That is the sound you never want to hear. It is the sound of the warning siren going off at a nuclear power plant. When you hear that sound, it means you are in the nuclear hot seat. Welcome to Nuclear Hot Seat, the weekly podcast keeping you up to date on all things anti-nuclear. My name is Libby Halevi. I'm the producer and host of this podcast, and I do it because I was one mile from the nuclear reactor at Three Mile Island when the accident happened there in 1979. I don't want you or anyone you love going through what I went through, or possibly worse. Today is Tuesday, June 12, 2012, one year and 93 days since the Fukushima tragedy began on March 11 of 2011. This week on Nuclear Hot Seat, we have a special extended interview on the politics of nuclear energy. This issue may seem so large and overwhelming that it's easy to think that there's nothing we can do to make a difference. Yet the political structure here in America does have its places where we can step in and make our voices heard on behalf of nuclear sanity. Listen to one Southern California politician who is making a difference as he offers a picture of how local community activism can move up the political food chain and create crucial changes we need in the ways we generate energy. Larry Agron is an Irvine City Council member and has been an outspoken proponent of shutting down the San Onofre Nuclear Power Facility near San Clemente, California. In a speech that he made on March 27th to the City Council, he said, I believe that our shared community commitment to public safety requires that we bring about the safe, orderly decommissioning of the San Onofre Nuclear Generating Station as soon as possible. As one of the few politicians willing to address the problems of nuclear energy generation, he has a unique perspective on the politics surrounding this issue, and that's what he's come to share with us today. Councilmember Agron, welcome to Nuclear Hot Seat. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Now, how did you get started? When did you become aware of and concerned about the problems at the San Onofre nuclear reactors? Well, of course, uh, San Onofre has been a key uh, element in the Orange County landscape and in the Southern California landscape and in uh, connection with our energy policy for decades. So it was in the 1970s that I was aware that this was a nuclear power plant that was being built uh, on an earthquake fault in a dangerous location uh, with uh, an uncertain technology. And um, although we have gotten through these years without a catastrophic failure at San Onofre, its safety record, the uncertain nature of nuclear power generation has uh, been uh, an on-and-off concern for the entire community for decades now. Now, you say you first became aware in the 1970s. When did you become involved in local politics? In the 1970s. Uh, that's when my wife and I moved uh, to Southern California. We had been raised in Southern California, went to school uh, in, uh, in the East and at uh, UC Berkeley as well. And uh, when my wife was accepted to medical school at UC Irvine, uh, that was in the mid-1970s, we moved down to this area. And that's where we began to uh, establish real community roots. And we've been here ever since. 
so you be you moved to the community and became involved in politics it sounded like rather quickly and that was simultaneous with your knowledge about San Onofre what did you find most disturbing about the nuclear reactors well let me just say that uh, i had been uh, legal counsel with the state health and welfare committee uh senate health and welfare committee in sacramento uh that uh experience coupled with uh, my wife's uh, uh, acceptance into medical school brought us, as I said, to the Irvine and to the Orange County community. And uh, it just became clear very early on, not so much as a political matter, but just as a community matter, that nuclear power generation was a risky business. Anybody who paid any attention to how we met our energy needs, would have to acknowledge that the potential for a truly catastrophic failure uh, at a nuclear power plant is much greater than at a conventional coal-fired power plant or uh, certainly in connection with any other of the uh, renewable technologies. So this uh, this became evident early on. and. Uh, you might remember that there was uh, a movie, uh, China Syndrome, in the late 1970s. In fact, it was released just a couple of weeks before Three Mile Island. And so uh, going back to the experience of the 1970s uh, and Three Mile Island, I mean, you would have to be blind and uh, absolutely... Uh, um, refusing to acknowledge what kinds of risks we all faced. That became a part of our local politics a little bit here in uh, Irvine, here in Orange County. And how great was the concern about it um, after Three Mile Island and moving forward from that time? Well, the concern after Three Mile Island was great. Uh, people began to recognize that even though we escaped a catastrophic meltdown and massive radioactive release at Three Mile Island, uh, it became evident we came within a matter of hours of the kind of explosion that uh, later was uh, witnessed and experienced at Chernobyl, of course. And so uh, those of us who recognized that Earthquakes are a reality in Southern California. The so-called big one is inevitable here, and that we had a nuclear power plant built to withstand at San Onofre a 7.0 earthquake, when the reality is, and everybody knows it, Southern California will be experiencing probably a 7.8, an 8.0, or now with the experience at Fukushima, shockingly, powerful 9.0 earthquake. So here we are, 10 to 15 million of us in Southern California, and we are uh, really engaged in very risky business indeed. How has your stance on nuclear energy and your moving forward on the issue changed since Fukushima? Well, Fukushima was kind of a wake-up call again, after all, uh, it had been 25 years 
since Chernobyl. That was uh, pretty much dismissed uh, in 1986 and after as a Russian experience. Uh, the, the, the story, the narrative being, well, the Russians uh, are sloppy. They don't know how to do anything in a careful way. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, Chernobyl was a huge catastrophe. But uh, people, I think, were kind of lulled into this notion of a nuclear renaissance and what had been learned about safety and that we didn't have to worry uh, because the newer nuclear technologies, the newer plants were built better, stronger, uh with redundant safety uh, provisions and so forth. But uh, Fukushima, I think, uh, quite literally blew all that away. Uh, here you have uh, the Japanese, uh, technically uh, very proficient, very capable, and um, uh, they uh, they experienced the kind of catastrophic failure that has to give everybody pause. And mind you, both Chernobyl and Fukushima uh, were in relatively remote areas. The uh, people living nearby numbered into the hundreds of thousands, uh, not into the millions, and certainly not into uh, 10 or 15 million, as is the case in Southern California. And of course, uh, San Onofre uh, like Fukushima, built to withstand a 7.0 earthquake, and uh, much, much greater than that was experienced at Fukushima. And no doubt, um, at some point in the future, uh, a much larger uh, earthquake, larger than a 7.0, will be experienced in Southern California. And who knows what that means for San Onofre. But uh, it's a huge risk that is being taken. So I think Fukushima is just a tremendous wake-up call in a modern industrial country, sensitive, of course, to the dangers of nuclear power that uh, Fukushima uh, provided a, a tragic lesson anew that um, nuclear power simply needs to be phased out. That's what the Japanese uh, have done, at least in the interim, and the uh, the Germans are doing it longer term, the Swiss and others. And uh, there's, I think, a, a new recognition that that uh, it's time to move on to safer, more reliable technologies. I definitely agree with you on that. Now, I have had a chance to read the speech that you made to the Irvine City Council on March 27th of this year, and it's quite impressive in terms of laying out what the issues are at San Onofre and the steps that deserve to be taken. What led you to make this remarkable address to the City Council? That um, statement that I made was the product of more than six months of careful research and thought. Here I am, a local elected official. Our chief responsibility is uh, to safeguard uh, public health and, of course, uh, public safety. And from that perspective, it's a unique perspective, looking at uh, 
San Onofre, you simply have to come to the conclusion that the risks are too great and, of course, the consequences of a catastrophic failure are enormous. They're almost beyond human ability to contemplate. If you think about even a 50-mile radius of radioactive contamination, you're talking about rendering most of Southern California uninhabitable in the event of a worst-case scenario. When you systematically go through that and you look at the earthquake risk, you look at the San Onofre uh, record on safety, you look at the fact, and it is a fact, that it is an aged, decrepit plant. Uh, when you look at uh, our inability to cope with even uh, uh, earthquakes, let alone earthquake that uh, leads to a radioactive contamination field of uh, just uh, uh, enormous <laughs> size. When you look at all of that, you have to come to the conclusion as a local elected official that there is no way we can properly assure the public that they are safe with the continuing operation of San Onofre. I mean, that that's an obligation to be honest with ourselves as elected officials, as local elected officials, and to be honest with the public at large. And that's what I've tried to do. And I did try to put it together, uh, my remarks, uh, in a very systematic way uh, from that perspective. It definitely uh, reads that way. And if there's a recording, I would love to post a link to it. But right now, what I'd like to know is, what was the response of the other city council members after they heard this? Did they rise up and say, yes, let's do something? Were they turning a deaf ear to you? How did they respond? They responded well. I think there had been some reticence before those remarks were made. But afterwards, um, I think the council members recognized that here we are in the city of Irvine, we're 22 miles from San Onofre. Fukushima City, which is 40 miles away from Fukushima Daiichi plant, uh, that nuclear power plant, uh, that city of 300,000 is experiencing uh, just uh, terrible trauma from radioactive contamination, houses, roofs, walls, the soil is contaminated. Everybody's uh, running around with dosimeters, trying to identify hot spots. Uh, everybody's worried, of course, about the health and safety of people, particularly the health of children longer term. Uh, we're half the distance from San Onofre as we sit here in Irvine, just 22 miles away. We're a large city of 225,000 people. You begin to understand what uh, all this might mean. And I think my colleagues, uh, difficult as it is to actually contemplate uh, a catastrophic nuclear failure there with a radioactive contamination field, uh, they, uh, they, I think, began to absorb it a little bit. And uh, 
the ones who were reticent uh, came along and said, yeah, we, we really do need to look look into this uh, matter. And most of my focus was on the relicensing, that it just seemed to me we needed to take the prospect of a San Onofre relicensing uh, in 2022 for yet another 20 years of operation. That had to be taken off the table. And uh, I think that uh, my colleagues and, of course, uh, the public at large began to recognize that. Meanwhile, of course, we have the shorter-term fears associated with the failure of the steam generator tubes and what all that means. And that, in turn, will, I think, uh, prompt... uh, continuing public debate about whether the plant now shut down should be restarted under any circumstances. Now, there has been some confusion about the results of a second meeting with the Irvine City Council that took place on April 24th. There was an action taken, and there, like I said, there's some confusion about what the actual result is. It's been reported online that uh, the City Council called for the shutdown of San Onofre, but I believe that the truth of the statement is a bit different than that. Can you clarify for us? Yes. The letter that was sent to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission included one paragraph referencing the steam generators and the startup and that the restarting uh, of the units uh, two and three should not take place until there is, in my words, uh, virtually 100% certainty that the conditions experience the um, the deterioration of those uh, uh, tubes, uh, the uh, vibration problems, the corrosion problems, and so forth, uh, that those have been solved. Um, That was included in the letter. Um, But it wasn't a direct call for the shutdown and decommission of San Onofre immediately? No, it was not. However, um, with respect to uh, the... uh, relicensing process, uh, that that letter was, uh, I think, reasonably strong in that respect, uh, calling for, uh, uh, you know, careful review. And uh, it wasn't quite as strong as I would have put it, but uh, it, it made it clear that uh, we were on the side of uh, not relicensing that power plant. Now, several times you have, either in this speech or in others that I've heard of yours, you have addressed your comments to the corporate hierarchy of Southern California and asking them to put people's safety before corporate profits. What, if any, feedback have you gotten from the company? I don't don't think we have gotten the kind of response we would like. Now, they say publicly, and... I appreciate that they say it, that safety is their number one priority. Certainly, it's our number one priority in the public sector. This is where we ought to be in agreement. And uh, it seems to me this is where we ought to come together and we ought to talk about an energy future that is one that works for us and it works for them, a safer, more reliable uh, source of energy 
that is post-nuclear power. I did reference in my remarks um, the extraordinary uh, upsurge in um, solar power plant construction, hybrid plants, natural gas and solar power in the Mojave Desert that um, uh, I think suggests an energy future here in Southern California in the next uh, two, three, and five years uh, that is a much brighter future, a much safer future, a much more reliable future. Uh, we ought to be a part of it, uh, all of us as citizens and the public sector. And I've encouraged Southern California Edison to embrace that future as well, which frankly is apt to be over the long haul much more profitable for them and certainly would eliminate the risk of something um, catastrophic happening at San Onofre. Uh, now, there's, I, a, there's a larger, excuse me, there's a larger political issue that's on the table this year, and that's because it's a presidential election year. And even with multiple nuclear problems here in the states, including San Onofre, as well as the ongoing threat of yet additional nuclear disaster coming out of Japan from Fukushima, neither of the major candidates nor even some of the, the more fringe candidates, including the Green Party, have brought up the nuclear issue for debate. What is your take, politically speaking, for the reason for this blackout? I think there just is a failure of leadership. I must say that uh, President Obama, for whom I have great respect, uh, seems to me to be uh, uh, kind of blind to these uh, risks. He has suggested that nuclear power is an important part of our energy future, when in fact I think it should not be. We haven't even begun to deal with the issues of waste and long-term contamination, even in the absence of a uh, catastrophic failure at a power plant. Uh, and I would have thought after uh, the BP experience in the Gulf that assurances from uh, corporations about the safety of certain procedures uh, would have been reviewed anew by President Obama and the administration. We haven't had any leadership either from Governor Jerry Brown, who is familiar with the dangers of nuclear power. I think um, they're afraid to take on the nuclear energy industry, which itself has grown enormously in its influence and that's all regrettable. We we need a little courage shown here. The public at large is very, very uneasy. The public is, in my judgment, uh, way ahead of the leaders uh, in this respect. And uh, it's time for the leaders to catch up a little bit. Maybe we at the local level can accelerate that process by uh, speaking out. So how can we, the people, 
get involved on the political side of the nuclear issue. Whether we're in Irvine and are fortunate enough to have you on the city council or in any community that finds itself within 50 miles of a nuclear reactor. I think it's very important to engage local elected officials. Ask them, could they really begin to cope with a nuclear power plant failure, certainly a catastrophic failure of the kind that was experienced at Fukushima, uh, if that were experienced at San Onofre, could they cope with mass evacuation, permanent evacuation, uh, having their communities uh, perhaps rendered uninhabitable for hundreds of years? Uh, can they stand still in the face of that risk? And I think the more pressure that is put on local elected officials, the more you're going to begin to get a thoughtful response. I hope my statement of March 27th is circulated and used by others, citizens and local elected officials alike. If uh, others have a different perspective, let them voice it. But let's start talking about this as a local matter. That, I hope, will percolate up and require uh, the governor and others uh, at the state level to begin to take a stand. And that, in turn, I think, will reverberate across the country and uh, perhaps influence national policy. I think that's very possible. Well, we will post a link to this speech that you gave. I think it's a great condensed way of people being oriented to the nuclear issue, not just here in Southern California, though those are the specifics, but also beyond that to their own local community and moving it up to the state and from there to the national level as well. Larry, we just have a few minutes left. Do you have a final thought that you would like to leave us with today? I always like to uh, have people look at the possibilities ahead. I mean, we really do have, uh, certainly here in Southern California and I believe across the country, we have a real chance in the next few years, I'm not talking about 10 or 20 or 30 years away, but in the next few years to create uh, the kind of... Um, electricity generation, uh, the kind of power generation that will make us comfortable that uh, we have somehow gotten beyond this uh, transitional and very dangerous technology of nuclear power. Um, we're almost there, uh, but we do have to get ourselves organized. We have to marshal our forces. I think at the local level is the best way of doing it, and then uh, push over the next few years. And as your questions suggest, uh, get the major party candidates, uh, certainly for president, but for other offices as well, and uh, uh, get them to address this question. Don't let it go away. Uh, just keep pressing and pressing. I, I think we're going to get there. I really believe that. From your mouth to the right set of ears. Thank you, Larry Agron. You're a member of the Irvine City Council and have been an outspoken proponent of nuclear sanity around the San Onofre Nuclear Power Facility near San Clemente, California. Thank you so much for having participated in Nuclear Hot Seat. Thank you. Thank you for the great public service you perform. I appreciate that.
I always like to include a holistic healing tip in every podcast, and this week we're going to talk about algae. No, not pond scum. I'm specifically talking about chlorella and spirulina as supplements to our diets. Both chlorella and spirulina were used by the Institute of Radiation Medicine in Russia to enhance immune systems and to normalize blood chemistry after Chernobyl. Chlorella in particular is a powerful heavy metal detoxification agent. It protects against radioactivity by binding heavy metals in the body and allowing you to flush them out. It's very nourishing, doesn't taste bad, and it's great to blend into a smoothie. Just don't be alarmed by the deep green, almost black color that results. That's just showing you how powerful it is. Now for our weekly activist opportunity, you heard the interview today with Irvine City Council member Larry Agron. And he said that the best way to change nuclear policy on the national level is to start at the local level. So here's a challenge to all of you. Find a local government body and attend its next meeting. Maybe it's your city council. Maybe it's a neighborhood council meeting or simply a meet and greet between a local politician and constituents. Be prepared to make a three-minute statement about local nuclear energy problems. This will be especially powerful if you live within a 50-mile radius of the reactor, which was the evacuation radius that was suggested for Americans after Fukushima. So raise the nuclear issue. Ask questions. Then before you leave, get either the politicians or their aides card so you can follow up by phone or email. Then follow up. Stay in touch. Keep the issue in front of them. As you do so, be calm, reasonable, well-informed, and extremely informative in the information that you are sharing. You are cultivating a relationship. When you do speak out at a public event, if others walk up to you to discuss further and express interest in knowing more, get their contact information and follow up with them. Meet up over coffee to strategize what can and should be done locally in your little community. This is the way activist organizations and major movements start. This is how real change gets made. One person, one statement, one politician at a time. It starts with you standing up in public, bringing the issue to the attention of your local government officials, and not letting them back down from your very reasonable concerns about nuclear energy generation. And here's a little secret. When you do this, when you stand up in public and speak your mind in the face of our public officials, it feels great. It is such a rush. This has been Nuclear Hot Seat for Tuesday, June 12, 2012. You can find us posted on nuclearhotseat.com forward slash blog on the Facebook Nuclear Hot Seat page and the Facebook Nuclear Hot Seat group page and on iTunes podcasts. If you go to the new Facebook site and click on like, it will help us show up in the Google algorithm. Oh, and we're also syndicated on airprogressive.org streaming web radio. If you like what you hear through any of these venues, link to us. We're friendly. We won't bite. At least as long as you're not pro-nuke. This is Libby Halevi of Heartistry Communications, the heart of the art of communicating, reminding you that we've all had our nuclear wake-up call. Now, do not go back to sleep. Be safe, be well, 
and I will speak with you again next week.